Welcome to the Salon Owners Collective Podcast. Each week on the podcast, you'll hear stories and tactics from experts and influencers who will provide you with actionable steps to transform your business and your life. I'm your host, Larissa McClemon, and I help salon owners move from stress and overwhelm to lead a life of freedom and profit by implementing a strategic framework to grow and scale their business. So wherever you are in the world, I want to officially invite you to join me in this episode and make an important step in your journey towards more freedom and more profit. As salon owners, we talk a lot about our client experience and designing a great client experience. We put a lot of effort into understanding and improving our experience for our clients because, well, it's an integral part of running a successful business. If our clients don't have a great experience, they're unlikely to come back and they're less likely to recommend their friends and family to come and see us too. But what we don't talk enough about, in my opinion, is the employee experience, the experience that your team members have when they're working for you? How do they experience working for you? What actually is their experience like for them? And I think often we overlook this as employers because, well, I'm already paying these people in a wage. What more do they want? (laughs) Actually, employee experience is intrinsically linked to the client experience. Your team members are the link between your brand and your clients. And their experience of your business is conveyed through that contact and that time together. Studies have shown that brands that have a great employee experience actually have higher productivity, better outcomes across all kinds of client experience. What exactly is the employee experience? And how do you design a great employee experience inside of your salon? Well, today I'm really excited to introduce a friend of mine, Suzanne Cross from Humankind. Humankind is an HR consulting company with a focus on the employee experience and facilitating employee experience design in the workplace. Yes, design it with your team in mind. So today on the podcast, she's sharing with us the seven principles of employee experience and the four things salon owners need to do and need to start on their own journey of creating an employee experience by design. Let's jump in and meet Suzanne Cross. Suzanne, thank you so much for joining me on the Salon Owners Collective Podcast. Pleased to have you here. Thank you so much for having me, Larissa. Well, look, let's start for those that don't know who you are. Um, Who are you? Where are you in the world? And how did you get to be doing what you're doing? Uh, Well, I am coming to you from not so sunny Auckland, New Zealand this morning. Um, I am the Chief Experience Officer at a company called Humankind. Uh, I am hugely passionate about all things employee experience and uh, I love designing experiences that enable people to have um, an awesome time at work, um, really be able to bring their best selves to work. But at the same time, we want to design organisations that are successful for their owners as well. Yeah, I really um, am excited to have this podcast today because I feel like this is a massive topic, a massive opportunity for the hair and beauty industry to rethink how we look at um, how we recruit, um, grow and retain our teams. Um, And this whole idea of employee experience, I think, is like that word alone speaks volumes. 
Um, and so I'm really excited to talk to you about that. What does it mean? What does it look like? How do we need to think differently about it? So Suzanne, let's start with um, what actually is the employee experience? How can mm. we articulate? What does it actually mean? Um, and what? why do you think talent owners in particular need to prioritize this or need to think about this and make it important? Yeah, so employee experience is really simply the experiences that we have at work as employees. Um, so think about the things that we do, uh, how we think, how we feel, who we interact with. Um, we have a model that we use at Humankind. It's called PREP. And PREP stands for Purpose Experiences, Relationship Experiences, Enabling Experiences, and Performance Experiences. So when we think about um, employee experience, we think about all of those four different aspects. So uh, I can explain those in a little bit more detail if that's helpful. Um, so Absolutely. purpose experiences are, what are the experiences you have as an employee that connect to things like um, your organization's purpose, its values, um, the leadership, the trust, relationship experiences, pretty much what they say they are, right? So as an employee, um, what, what is it like to interact with your leaders, your colleagues at work? Enabling experiences is about kind of the key enabling tools of being able to do good work, right? So think about um, the tools that you use as an employee, the systems, the processes. There might be some technology. Um, there might be something about the physical environment that you work in. Uh, and then the final P of PrEP is pe uh, performance experiences. So um, what are the experiences you have as an employee that really um, enable you to perform when you come to work? Um, are you getting feedback? Um, are you giving feedback? Um, how are you learning and growing in the workplace? So when we think about employee experience at Humankind, we think about those four different aspects. I love that. I love that it's a really clear prep, something that can be top of mind. Um, I know that there are seven principles of employee mm. experience. I would love for you to share those because I think that kind of um, fleshes out what it is and, and makes it super tangible. Um, do you want to take us through just like what the seven are? And there's a couple that are my favorite that I'd like to talk to you more deeply about, but do you want to just kind of top line? What are the seven principles? Yeah, seven principles of EX design. So number one is look for the mutual value for both your organization and your employees. So, you know, if you think about, I think the best way to kind of describe this is like a Venn diagram, right? So you have one kind of circle that's your um, employees and their experience. The other is your kind of outcomes that you're looking for as a business and you're looking for the place where those two things intersect. And it is absolutely possible um, you know, to achieve that. Um, the next principle is around taking a human-centered approach, or at Humankind, we call it an employee-centered approach. And um, by taking some time to understand what your employees are thinking about, what's important to them, um, you're going to build understanding. Um, you're also going to build more trust in your relationship as well. So take that kind of employee-centered approach and get curious about what's happening for your employees. The third is um, possibly something that might feel a little confronting, which is that 
EX design is something that's never done, right? Um, you know, lots of us think that we try something, we put it out in the world, tick, it's done, we can move on to the next thing. Um, but with EX design, you know, environments change, context change, um, people's needs change. So uh, when you think about EX, um, think about the fact that you're going to have to remain curious, keep building understanding about what's important for your employees, keep trying new things, keep learning. Um, it's kind of a, a continuous cycle. Um, fourth principle is when you open, open yourself up to have conversations with your employees about what it's like to work in your workplace, you know, sometimes those conversations can be a bit tough. Um, it's always great to hear the positive things about the experiences your employees are having at work, and it's really important to understand those, right, because you don't want to ruin those. Um, but, you know, you do want to get really curious about the things that aren't working for your employees. So, you know, be open to having those conversations, be open to listening, um, and just know that, you know, um, having those types of conversation really builds trust and can create value. Mm. Um, the fifth principle might not be quite so relevant here, um, but in larger organisations, uh, lots of them have separate HR functions, and everybody thinks that um, they are solely responsible for the experiences that employees have in their workplace. They're not, right? Um, every leader has a really important part to play in the experience employees have at work. Even colleagues, people who aren't people leaders do as well, right? So um, kind of instill that sense of ownership about EX and everybody in the organisation. Um, the sixth is about measuring progress. How are you doing um, as you're investing in things to improve your EX, right? Think about the outcomes that you want to achieve and just keep checking in to see, am I actually achieving those things or not? What else might I need to kind of change or iterate? Um, and the last principle is probably my favourite. Um, I think it tends to be everybody's favourite when we talk about EX design, which is design with and not for your employees. Um, when we talk about employee-centred design and EX, we're really talking about um, a partnership in designing this employee experience. And, you know, we've seen a lot of organisations who uh, put things out um, to their employees. They haven't involved their employees in any way um, in coming up with those ideas. And they wonder why they don't land very well or perhaps they aren't really adopted or championed by employees. And we know from experience that if you involve employees in designing their experience, um, they are far more likely to kind of buy into what you're doing. They're far more likely to adopt it. They're far more likely to kind of champion it with their, with their peers as well. So for me, that is kind of the most important principle of EX design. I would agree with that. Um, and especially with, for a business that is, has been around over time and has established some hows or what we call this is how we do it here and established mm. that. But over time, team members change, um, the environment changes, the marketplace changes, um, and it is that it kind of lines up with that it's never done, it's always evolutionary, but we need to revisit those things with the new people on our team or with the new mindset that's in front of us or the new marketplace that's in front of us. And so, um, 
continually doing with and continually doing never done you know almost on repeat yes. um right that's right I feel that's like those right. I feel like those two are, are closely intertwined yeah and and the other element to think about is your customer experience as well right because um, and this is why I used to work in the customer experience space for a long, long time. And then I got increasingly interested in the fact that whenever I helped organizations design customer experiences, a lot of the time it came back to the employee. They are the people who are kind of creating and delivering your services. So why wouldn't you want to be thinking about the experience they are having? And there are a wealth of studies now that show the link between having a great AX and having a great CX and then obviously um, you know being more financially successful as an organization as well um, you know your employees are the closest to your customers right um, they are interacting with them every day and as your customer needs change you want your employees to be able to kind of um, embrace those changes understand them and think about how else they might like to be delivering that service and feeling enabled and equipped to be able to do that as well. Yeah, for sure. I totally agree. Um, especially if as an owner, you're not customer facing anymore or in, right. the hair and, in the hair and beauty world, you have a set number of customers that probably you've been, we'll call them clients, doing for years and years and years. I remember this mm. happening myself. I've been looking after the same set of people for you know, 15, 20 years. I have a long established relationship with them. I'm no longer seeing you clients anymore mm. and there's a different experience that I'm having than my young up-and-coming who are seeing predominantly new clients or or you know the direction of the business has changed or we're now seeing a different demographic um, and we can lose touch without actually realizing and so I think right. um, building an environment where you can trust what your team are feeding back to you or being open to mm. listening to what they're feeding back and, and acting upon that that takes a little bit of letting go of ego maybe yeah absolutely um and you know i think as leaders and business owners you know um we often feel that weight of responsibility right um and that we have to have all the right answers and know all the right things to yes. do um, mm -hmm. but but we don't um, and we have these marvelous teams around us who um, observe things and see things and experience things and can provide input and provide ideas right they you know they're the ones kind of at the heart of the work they'll have ideas about things to do so um, if you're not tapping into that you're really missing out um, on something that could be quite valuable Susan, I noticed that um, one of the reservations to doing that from business owners is this fear around that. What if they say something I don't like or what if they're uh, mm. introducing crazy ideas that are just like that is not commercially viable? How do we manage the objection or how do I manage? They've put their, you know, put their heart and soul on the line and said we should do these five things, but actually four of them are totally not viable. There's fear around doing that and then having to manage mm. not implementing some of those things. Can you speak to that a little bit? Hey, I just wanted to pop in to tell you something. Don't worry, we're going to get back to this awesome episode in just a second. Now, if this sounds like you, listen up. You have a team. You love your team. But 
You're sick of wondering why and wishing your team would make their sales targets. You want them to be smashing sales because it shows that they're actually looking after their clients really well. Like imagine if you could have a way to make more from the clients that you already have, increase sales without spending more on advertising. Well, it's totally possible and I want to help you. And I want to help you do it with ease in a classy way. No hard and dirty sales tricks here. Ways to serve your clients, make more because everybody wins, the team, the client, and of course, you, the business owner. Now, if you want to find out more, just DM me uh, and let's chat. I'll make a plan for you. I'm also going to leave a link for you on the show notes of this episode. All right, let's get back to the episode. Yeah, I think, um, you know, uh, I'm, I'm a kind of a designer at heart, right? And, and in design, we think about what's desirable from a client or customer or employee perspective. Um, what's kind of um, viable? What, what are we able to do as a business? What do we have the skills and tools to be able to do? And, um, and then what's actually feasible? What makes good business sense, right? And I think that it's actually okay to have those conversations with employees. Um, you know, obviously you have a choice as a, as a business owner or a business manager at how much you want to share and how transparent you want to be. But um, I think it's actually really, um, you know, it builds trust, it builds connection. Um, and if you're able to have that kind of open conversation with your employees about what actually is possible and perhaps what are the parameters that we have to work within um, in terms of some ideas. Um, generally, we find people are pretty open to those types of conversations. Mm -hmm. You know, they understand that not everything is possible or doable right now um, or, or even at all, right? So if somebody comes with an idea and it, it feels a little impossible, what does a scaled back version of that look like that we could try, right? And um, as a business owner, you know, try because you might actually discover that this particular thing is really successful and you do want to pour more effort or energy or time or investment into it, right? So, yeah. you know, it's that kind of be curious, experiment um, and work together um, mm. in terms of, uh, those types of um, challenges that you or ideas that people may have yeah yeah I think actually being able to adjust and talk with your team about what's possible and why things might not be possible I think mm. ultimately actually builds trust because then but they can yes. trust that actually okay she's got a finger on the pulse she's not just taking my ideas blindly just because I said them there's some trust in there that okay she actually she's working to a framework or she actually understands what's going on she's got the best interest of the client or the team at heart so I think yeah I think that's actually a good thing to express that with your team um I know that uh those listening are going to be a curious what is this how does it look if I want to start improving my employee experience what would you say like what are the top three things simple mm. implementable things that I could do to start straight away so I think the first one is actually take the time to talk with your employees understand their perspectives on working at your salon um, what is really working for them what's going well what do they love um, and then conversely what are the things that perhaps 
uh, niggles or getting in the way. Um, and, you know, it's not always easy to listen to those things. Um, but, you know, go in with an open mind, go in with a curious mindset um, and be prepared to listen and kind of understand things from your employee's point of view. Um, so that's the first thing, spend time understanding what's in people's heads, what's happening for them. Um, the second thing I think is then to work out what are the most impactful areas for you to work on and focus on, right? Often when um, we, and we do a lot of this type of work for our clients, right? We go and talk to their employees to understand what's working, what's not working. And, and often, you know, there are a lot of things that they could work on, but we kind of have to choose the top few to focus on. So really think about what's having the most impact here um, and focus in on those things. Don't try to do too many things at once. The third thing I would say is just pace yourself. Um, keep things simple. Don't try and do too many things at once. Um, if you do, you'll be less likely to be successful and, and have the impact that you're looking for. And also if you do lots of things and you see some positive benefits, you might not be sure what's the thing that's actually made mm. the difference, right? So start small, start simple, um, and you know, monitor and see how things go. Um, and I'd probably sneak in a fourth one if I can, um, <laughs> which is keep your team updated, right? Talk to them about what you're going to focus on um, and get them involved in that. As I've said before, you know, design with, not for. Mm. Okay, I love that. Um, if you think about employee experience and design, is there a quote or a mantra that kind of keeps you on the singular and focus for you personally, or even mm. for humankind as a brand? Um, this is a personal one for me, which um, is listen to understand, not respond. Yes. Um, and I think it originally comes from Stephen Covey. I, some people might be familiar with that book, you know, The Habits. Was it The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People or something like that? Mm -hmm. uh, it's a bit of an oldie now. Um, but I know in the EX work that I do, I, I'm also a coach as well. And so, um, you know, that ability to really sit and listen, to be present, um, to seek clarification on things, but not feel like we have to respond straight away, um, I think is a really important mantra in all aspects of life actually I use it with my son my son comes to me with things and I'm like dying to start responding <laughs> and giving him advice and and you know I stop myself and say this is the point where I just need to listen right um, so that's kind of a mantra that I have particularly when I do EX work I love that um, I think particularly to your point earlier about um going in and asking your team of their experience and hearing, you know, what's working really well and what's not working so well. I love to apply that then, like for, for myself as a business owner and talking to team members. I remember a time when I always felt the pressure to have the answer if they had a problem or they weren't mm. enjoying something that I felt the pressure that I needed to solve that. And so um, that pressure would often force me to not meet them as often or not ask them as often or, you know, reschedule and all of those things to avoid it because I didn't trust that I would always know the answer. But I learned that I didn't need to 
give the answer, particularly in that moment, and just hear them and say, got it, understand it. And I could circle back to it. I could go away and That's think right. about it for a day or a week or a month. It's... And as long as I closed the loop at some point, even if I didn't have an answer, if I don't have an answer for you, but you close the loop that I don't have an answer, um, that for me just was a transformation as an employer because it took the pressure off. I didn't need to know everything. I could take the time to think about things. And actually, they just felt happy to be heard. So yeah. um, I think that's a good principle for sure. Yeah, no, I completely agree. And I think you're spot on about the bit about circling back, right? The circling back is important, but you don't have to do it then and there in the moment. It's actually okay to say, I need some time to to go and have a think about this. Yeah, uh, I'm pretty good with to doing that maybe 50% of the time with my 17-year-old son. Definitely an area for me to improve uh, the time between <laughs> listening and reacting. <laughs> yeah. note, your space yeah. for improvement. <laughs> yeah. um, okay, what is um, a book, a podcast, some kind of resource that you know that salon owners should really get their hands on that's going to be useful in the space of um, employee-centered design? What have you got for us? Yeah, um, I, I guess um, a couple of things. Um, the, a book that I keep going back to um, is Brene Brown's book, Dare to Lead. Um, I first read it about four years ago. I read it every year. You know, there are some wonderful themes in there around um, courage and vulnerability as leaders, um, you know, really understanding your values and how you live them. Uh, but she has a mantra, which I also like, which is courage over comfort. Um, and knowing that, um, you know, as a leader and, you know, perhaps if you are really wanting to start thinking about your employee experience and taking some um, steps um, in terms of that, um, you know, you are choosing courage over comfort, right? You are kind of stepping into a space where you might not feel comfortable, um, where you are going to be learning, where you might not get it right all the time, um, uh, and it's that's okay, right? Um, and it's okay to acknowledge that. It's okay to acknowledge that to your employees. Um, so, you know, signaling that intent around focusing on EX, um, that you're on a learning journey, you'd love them to be on the journey as well. Uh, yeah, I think courage over comfort. Check out that. Renee's books if, um, if you haven't. I'm a bit of a fan. Uh, audiobook is always my favourite too, because... Um... Uh, I can get through it. I can make time for that because I can do it while I'm walking, I can listen, driving. Like, yeah. yeah, but like this podcast, really, I guess. Um, yes. All right, Suzanne, where can we find out more about what you do uh, in humankind? Share your yes. dubs, dubs and your socials. Yes, so uh, you can check out humankind at www.humankind.nz. We're also on LinkedIn. And uh, I'm also on LinkedIn as well, and I post quite frequently about things EX. So, yeah, look us up, have a read, um, jump into the conversation. I love it. Appreciate your insights today. I think that's been super useful just to think about this as actually, this is one of the hats to wear if I can get this right. I mean, ultimately, it's a retention tool, I think, as well as a great experience. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, if you are able to deliver an experience that your employees um, value, then they are far more likely to stay with you um, 
and yes there may you know you may lose some staff for various reasons but if you have a great experience and your employees talk about it with others it's also a great attraction mm. tool as well right yeah. and um we know that having a great ex um not only means you're likely to have a great customer experience you're likely to be more successful as a business but you're much more likely to retain that staff and not have to think or worry about uh, attracting new staff and recruiting them and onboarding them because we know that that takes time. It does. Mm. All right, I appreciate your time today. Thanks so much. Thanks so much for having me, Larissa. All right, a massive thanks again to Suzanne for joining me on the podcast today. So much inspiring information and ideas for you guys, salon owners, to apply in your own salon. Just the value of having a deeper understanding of what employee experience actually is and why should I care about it? How can I benefit both the salon, the brand and your team? And to help us on that journey, four important steps for starting to design your employee experience in the salon. The number one was get feedback from your team. We don't always want to hear negative feedback, but we can't fix what we don't know that is broken. So we can't design an experience for a team if we don't know what they value. That makes sense. Okay, number two, identify two or three of the most impactful areas to focus on. Don't overdo it. If you confuse, you lose. And if you do too many things, you confuse. So two or three of the most impactful areas to focus on. Less is more sometimes and do it deep and do it properly. Number three, pace yourself. Don't try to tackle everything at once because less is likely to work. And if it doesn't, you won't be able to quantify where the success has come from. Change one thing at a time. And last but not least, communicate with your team. Let them know what you're doing. Give them updates. Keep them involved. This will give anything that you do a much better chance for success if your team has the opportunity to be part of the solution. So, I hope that was super enlightening and given you some direction if you're inspired to embark on an employee experience for yourself. Now, Christmas is close and I'm sure that you're already in the cray-cray and the cray-cray starting to settle into yourself. And I wanted to check in with you. Are you part of our 12 steps to a stress-free Christmas? Yes, you can have a stress-free Christmas. I know this after 20 years of having a stressful Christmas. Uh, I have the 12 things that you need to do to ensure the busiest time of year is actually stress-free so that you can go to the loo when you need to on time. Uh, so one thing I know to be true is people spend 30% more Christmas time. You want to make sure that your business gets a slice of that pie. We want to ensure your team works smarter, not necessarily harder, despite it being tempting to squeeze those last minute clients in. So all you need to do is to jump into the profitable and successful salon owners group and you can get full access. It's completely free and it's completely fun. I would love to see you there. The link to the group to get the 12 steps to a stress-free Christmas is in the show notes of this episode. I'm going to leave that link on the show notes. All right, look forward to seeing you there. And otherwise, same time, same place on the podcast. Ciao for now. Thanks for joining me on another episode of the podcast. Tune in every week as I reveal the latest insights and advice on what it takes to truly master your inner salon CEO and master your salon success. 
subscribe to the Salon Owners Collective podcast on iTunes or Spotify, or visit us online at www.salonownerscollective.com. But make sure to join me in my Facebook group for answers to common questions and much, much more. Thanks for listening, and I look forward to tuning in with you again next week.